Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Please consider supporting Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. They are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. Hi, I'm Jed Bodwin, and I live in Wichita, Kansas. I am a Patreon supporter for Creative Control. I discovered Creative Control some years ago, I think maybe while looking for interviews with Tommy Stinson of The Replacements, and uh, I stumbled across this, this conversation that Vish had with Tommy Stinson that was really insightful. Vish held his own. I think Tommy can be a little bit of a difficult interview at times, and it went really well, and it really uh, got into some areas that I wasn't expecting, and I thought, gosh, I have to listen to more of this guy and his podcast. Yeah, sometimes I'm not necessarily a fan of the music or musicians that uh, Vish will have on the show, but I always appreciate their creative process a little bit more. And uh, more times than not, though, it does lead me to uh, finding a new musical artist that I'm interested in or to think a little bit differently about maybe some artists whose work I've overlooked. So, you know, go ahead and if you've been waiting at all to support Vish and Creative Control, now is probably the best time to do it. I know as a public radio employee here in Kansas, listener-supported broadcasting, whether it's podcasts or radio itself, really isn't a thing of the past. It's actually very much a thing of both the present and the future. So, yay Vish, yay Creative Control. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, Please visit patreon.com slash creative control today. Jeremy Gaudet and Brian Murphy are multi-talented songwriters and musicians currently based in Toronto, Ontario. Originally from Charlottetown, Prince Edward Island, Gaudet and Murphy are part of the wondrous four-piece rock band Kiwi Jr., whose excellent third album is called Chopper and was released on August 12, 2022, by Sub Pop Records. To celebrate this fact and maintain the tradition of Kiwi Jr. being on creative control every time they release a new album, Jeremy and Brian joined me for a spirited conversation 
about doing things differently to record Chopper, working with first-time producer Dan Beckner from Wolf Parade, and how fun and collaborative that experience was, composing with and incorporating more keyboards and synthesizers into Kiwi Jr.'s sound, the show The Masked Singer, and getting songwriting advice from the likes of Mike Watt and John K. Sampson, inviting Dorothea Poss to make significant vocal contributions to Chopper, Jeremy's new singing styles and Thurston Moore's influence, touring again, other future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash Control, with additional support from Blackbird Music, a wonderful record store with locations in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta, and friendly staff who will happily help you with anything you need. Say you want to order... Uh, the new album Chopper by Kiwi Jr., which is out on Sub Pop Records. Well, you go to blackbird.ca there and you see what can be done. They'll help you, I bet. That's what they do. Plus, in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario. Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is episode 708 of Creative Control, featuring the lovely and talented Jeremy Gaudette and Brian Murphy of Kiwi Jr. with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Uh, hi, Brian. How are you? I'm good, Vish. How you doing? I'm well, it's nice to see you. Where in the world are you? Uh, I'm here with uh, my bandmate and buddy, Jeremy, in my apartment on Dundas Street, Toronto, Ontario. Nice. Is this a new apartment compared to the last time you were on the show? Uh, probably, yeah. I moved here in May last year, so a little over a year. Yeah. And yeah, it uh, looks different. And which famous Canadian musician did this apartment used to belong to? This is uh, Moje, a Rosenberg Fisher uh, of Absolutely Free and of Memory oh. Pearl. Oh, nice. Did you? Was he the absolute previous uh, tenant? Yeah, I think he lived here for like 10 years. So I think a lot of Absolutely Free stuff got done here and his own solo project, Memory Pearl stuff got done here. So good history. Nice. Nice. That's good vibes. That's good uh, juju, I believe, is maybe what it's called on the streets. Yeah. I think. I don't know. Anyway, it's nice to see you again. Jeremy, I, I hear tell you're there too, and I can see tell that you're there as well. How are you? I'm okay, Vish. Happy to be here. Yeah, it's nice to have you back on the show. And uh, let me say uh, off the top, congratulations on uh, this uh, wonderful new record. You must be very proud. I've been listening to it nonstop, almost to a, a point where my wife's like, you're listening to it again? Can you just... <laughs> Stop it with the chopper. And I'm like, no, it's really good. And then I, I had it on at breakfast. I was making oatmeal for me and my daughter. And my wife was there. And she, I saw her involuntarily bobbing her head. She liked it. So all this to say, congratulations. How are you feeling, Jeremy, about the thing? Good. But did you just compare our record to oatmeal? Is, no. If it was going to be a breakfast meal, is the record oatmeal? As long as it's not granola. No, it was. She, was, she had finished a bowl of granola. Let's be clear. We're Guelph people in Edmonton. So there's going to be oatmeal and granola. That's just the way it is. <laughs> she had her oatmeal, or rather, she had her granola. I had a hankering for uh, oatmeal. So, by the way, when I do the oatmeal, 
it's as good as the album Chopper by Kiwi Jr. It's eclectic. It's dynamic. I had the oats. I had a banana cut into slices. I had a, a candied ginger, oh, hemp wow. seeds, chocolate chips, brown sugar, cinnamon, oat milk. Come on. Too many ingredients. Well, no, that's what made good. it. You're selling that's me it. on, on V-Shop meal here. It's very delicious and it's very filling. And I still, I barely eaten today because I had oatmeal. Anyway, it's a wonderful record. Uh, uh, Brian, this, this uh, record marks a bit of a departure. Do you have a producer for the first time? You have some guest vocalists. Have I, am I missing anything else? That's about it. We recorded the majority of it in a studio that was like on the east, far east end of Toronto. So it was a little bit out of our sort of normal uh, zones where we would normally hang out and work. So mm-hmm. that was kind of cool. Just like roaming around a, di- a totally different neighborhood we weren't familiar with. I stayed in so- the hotel. You you stayed in a hotel in Toronto? Yeah. Yeah. You live in Toronto. Why would you yeah, do that? Yeah, it's so far away, and I had to finish writing it. Uh, oh. So there were some lyrics on the record that were like 75%, and I needed to get it done. And if I was going to be going to the studio at you know, 9, 10 a.m. and not getting home till 11 or something, it didn't really allow for any time to work on things. I see. Are you not a studio jotter? Do you revise things in the studio, Jeremy? Mm, a, li- a little bit. It was also just to make me happy so I wouldn't be really grumpy towards the other bandmates and lose my head in the middle sure. of recording, to be honest. Yeah. And no, I think fair. it worked out pretty good. Yeah, I, I think the, the original idea was to leave the city and record somewhere uh, totally new, and that those plans fell through. So this was kind of a happy medium of sort of not in the city, but still kind of in the city. I appreciate that. Uh, Jeremy's alluding to other bandmates, and I must say I I miss them. Every time Kiwi Jr. has been on the show. By the way, this is not to disparage either of you fine people. You're fine. You're just fine. But just in the okay. past, this is, I think, the third Kiwi Jr. Uh, podcast episode that uh, we've done on this show. And every other time, everyone's been here. Who are we missing today, Jeremy? We're missing uh, drummer boy Broen. And we're missing um, bassman extraordinaire Mike. And uh, we just got back from tour a couple days ago, and I think their work schedules were pretty hectic. They couldn't really swing anything this week at all. No, I, um, I, and I appreciate that, and uh, all due respect to Mike. Uh, Brian, I miss Broen. I feel like Broen <laughs> really... I miss, <laughs> I miss Broen, too. I never get to see the guy. He's so busy with work. What is, uh, what's the job again that uh, Brown does, just to de-romanticize the whole idea of being in a band? What's the other thing he does? He's uh, an editor for a business wire magazine. So. Well, I was very no, specific. I don't think that's, that's true. A- <laughs> that true? I, don't, I don't even know what he does. <laughs> I, like, I just say he works downtown, capital D downtown. He's a downtown area worker? Yeah, very, very much so. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, I just want to say, I feel like uh, Brown really uh, jazzed up the last episode. There's a lot of chaos with Brown, and I, I enjoyed it, and I miss him. It's all just, it's all just Kanye and the Strokes, isn't it? <laughs> That's right. That's right. We had some fun times uh, talking about Yeezy or Yay or whatever he's called these days, and uh, yeah, that's true. Anyway, I just wanted to acknowledge them. Uh, back to what you were saying, uh, Brian, but I'm going to take it to Jeremy. Some departures then. Studio, who is the producer? This is significant. Dan Beckner produced it, and we worked with a new engineer as well, Alex Gamble, uh, who mixed and recorded the record. And we worked in 
like Brian said, a new studio in the East End of Toronto, and then we mixed it at Alex's home studio, which hmm. is called Raven Tape. Yeah, uh, which is also in the East End, and um, yeah, so just like some new players and, and places. So why why all the newness? Third album, third album, right? Three appearances, also third up. You guys are so nice. You've been on the show every time you put out a record. It means a lot to me. It's like a, it's like a tradition now. I think, right? Brian, isn't this a tradition? Isn't this part of the deal in Kiwi Junior? <laughs> Big time. I, I as soon as we start recording, I start to think about you know the taping of this podcast, how, <laughs> how the recording should go in order to help make this better. You know? Like I, I play a guitar part, and I think I don't think V should like that. So we should change it. I like that. Uh, yeah. I figured so heavily. No, uh, back to the original question uh, that I was trying to ask, Jeremy. Why do you suppose all the new things uh, for this one? Well, I don't think it was really a, a question of of let's change things up for the third record, you know, which is a trap a lot of bands fall into. But we decided to change things up for the third record. Yeah, <laughs> it just might work for us. Uh, no, um, we knew we wanted to work with a producer. And uh, we had a list of guys. Dan was at the top. He said yes, and then we just took it from there. And um, and you know, making a record in Toronto, there's not you know, there's only so many studios and and people you can work with, and there's scheduling and and everything like that. And to be honest, we had a, a pretty tight window to make this album. Hmm. Uh, we only had a few weeks once we started, and that's due to like. How long it takes to get your vinyls made and, and things like that. You really got to set your release window like a year and a half in advance. Oh, I see. Um, external pressure. External time pressures. It wasn't uh, Broan being yeah, like, come for- on, let's go. Let's get it done. I'm Broan. I'm no. bossy. Yeah, no. no. Okay. It just forces at work. I see. Okay. So, Brian, uh, it stands to reason based on what we've been saying. And I hadn't really thought of this. The previous two records were self-produced. Is that an accurate way of putting it? Yeah, uh, we obviously we had uh, engineers, obviously, and um, Graham Walsh was a big part of the, f- the, f- the second record, Cooler Returns. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, it was like you know us coming up with you know fl- flushing out the songs, coming up with the parts and stuff, and to- towards the end result. Um, so you could say, yeah, produced by Kiwi Junior, if you want. Yeah, as I recall, though, I think you did have an experience with the first record where you did work with someone external, and then it didn't quite pan out. And then I think maybe, is this right, Jeremy? Am I remembering things correctly? You then reverted to being like, you know what? Let's just do this ourselves. Is that right? Mm, Half right. Uh, We did work with some other people and then had to pivot halfway through. Um, But it wasn't a producer. It was um, some, you know, mixing and things like that. Oh, oh, okay. And that was just, that was just our own fault of not knowing what we were looking for and things like that. Do you like being told what to do? Do you like having your ideas that come from your heart and your mind second-guessed by some stranger? Is that a fun thing to have happen? Well, if you're talking about Dan, yeah. Uh, No, I I wasn't. I was talking about people generally in your life, not even musically. I just mean, do you have control issues like I do? I mean, Dan wasn't wasn't, like trying to rewrite the songs and read, you know, he wasn't trying to like uh, change everything from the ground up. He just had a lot of cool ideas of like, he was affecting a lot of stuff. Like even when we were just doing scratch keyboard, uh, uh, vocal guitar takes, he was grabbing stuff and manipulating it in really cool ways, but he wasn't coming in and being like, guys, you need to, or Jeremy, you need to rewrite this chorus. It's no good. And stuff like that. It was none of that. It was just more like sound 
manipulation and, and really cool tone building. He was like just that. like a really good basketball coach in that he would like set us up to discover our own things mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of manage personality and make sure we um, used our time effectively. And But then also, you know, there's a, a bunch of examples on this record where I'd be doing a take of a vocal or something, and Dan would just raise his hand and say, "What about this?" Uh-huh. And then it ends up cha- changing. Yeah, right? yeah. There's lots of different instruments um, and grooves, and and even lyrics that that Dan um, is was definitely involved in. Interesting. Okay, so I I think I'm glad I went down this road. It was getting a little dicey there. Maybe I was barking up the wrong tree. You know what I'm saying? But now I think about it because mm-hmm. I know Dan uh, a little bit. Uh, actually, you know, we've interacted a bunch over the last uh, 20 years and uh, he's opinionated as a person in the world. He's opinionated. So uh, I appreciate what you must have appreciated by putting him at the top of that list you're talking about. Uh, very gifted musician, long track record. Has he? Did he have a lot of production credits that appealed to either of you? Brian, do you remember in the conversation? Oh, like, was it just like Dan from Wolf Parade and, and uh, Operators and Handsome Furs? Or was it, you know, he worked on a couple of records that we really liked. Which, which one of those was it? Yeah, he actually does. This is his first official production credit. So we weren't, you know, oh. after him in that regard. But obviously we just love the records he's, I mean, he obviously produced, you know, like produced, uh, the operator stuff, yeah. the handsome fur stuff. Like he, you know, he's the, the, the guy behind it all. And, you know, uh, a big chunk of Wolf Parade. So yeah, we just like all those records. And, uh, so we decided to get him, but it wasn't like he didn't produce, uh, officially like a, you know, a, another singer, songwriter's record or anything like that. This is technically his first pr- production. Credit. That's okay. This is getting more and more fascinating to me. So did it occur to him to come to you and say, you know what? I think I'm ready to produce a record. I like you guys. Uh, Jeremy, uh, what do you think? Uh, or was it like, oh, we, Dan, we made this list and somehow you're at the top of it. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? You know where I'm coming from, Jeremy. Can you explain this? Well, you'll find this interesting. He was actually going to produce our first record. Oh. Uh, way back in like 2016 when we started recording Football Money. We sent our demos to Dan and he wrote us this really long a generous, kind email just saying how much he liked the songs and, and stuff, and, and we were all set to work together to the point where we had um, travel plans and everything was right about to happen, and then I think for the last second, um, he, you know, either he or us or something happened where we got a gig offer or he got a gig offer and we tried to push it to the next week and it just all sort of fell apart. Oh, man, I um, see, okay. So, so that was supposed to happen, you know, that's like five, six years ago seven years ago maybe even yeah um and so we've kept in touch and we've opened for um wolf parade and handsome furs or uh, operators i mean doing mm-hmm. a handsome Furs set i guess technically mm. um <laughs> in the last few years and um and yeah that we just we just had this idea that we should finally actually do this i see okay so it's like a full circle not to suggest that the circle is closed but it's a little bit of a full... Sur- Sorry, guys. This uh, this is more of an intervention for you guys. It's over. It's done. No, I, I didn't mean it that way. No, it's nice. That's a nice story in itself. So uh, among the uh, production elements that uh, Kiwi Junior fans will pick up on are the keyboards, the synthesizers. Uh, where did the uh, compositional aspect of that begin uh, from? Was that something that happened in the stu- studio with Dan? 
where he was like, you know what would be a good texture? Or did you guys come in with uh, parts composed? I'm going to take this to guitarist Brian, because I know for guitarists, nothing is more threatening than the synthesizer. Nothing is more threatening than the keyboards. Uh, for your role, you're like, uh-oh, there's someone trying to take my job. Brian, where did this all uh, come from? Well, Jeremy had demos written uh, during you know peak uh, pandemic vibes, and a lot of those demos were very keyboard-heavy. Uh, on a lot of Casio, like little home keyboards and stuff. I think just out of convenience of like a small, trying to demo in a small apartment mm. rather than setting up big amps and mics and stuff. So that's definitely the like the nucleus were those like keyboard heavy demos from Jeremy. But interestingly enough, when we started to record, like we, once we got the bass and drums down on day one, Dan suggested we rent like a Moog keyboard, which is, I've never experienced a, a recording process where like the second you get the bass and drums down you start recording a moog keyboard so that was really cool um as far as intimidation goes i i'm I'm fine with it i love it i'm just trying to figure out how to play it live that's my my uh task at this moment you say did you rent the moog or did you buy the moog well the studio with the first studio we were in didn't have one so we rented it and then we ended up at Alex, the engineer's mixing studio, and he had like an even better one, so we used that as well. I see. Okay. Uh, Jeremy, is it uncommon for you to compose uh, demos on keys as opposed to guitar? Um, well, I think all the last record, Cooler Returns, was all guitar demos uh, for the songs that we actually made demos for. Um, so yeah, a little bit. But I've always tinkered. I don't really know what I'm doing. Like I'm, I'm playing chord, like you know, little chords with one hand and, and things like that. Nobody um, knows what they're doing. I just, as a general rule, we don't. Don't you find that nobody knows what they're doing? You ever hire a that, contractor and they have yeah, a belt? Fake yeah, fake it till you fail. Isn't that a lyric on the, the album? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, yeah, I, 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 that's where I was thinking there. Anyway, so uh, is it just the context as Brian was describing it? You're in a cozy little uh, fun apartment with lots of books and it's comfort comfortable and you just don't want to disturb the neighbors that's what brian said i'm just paraphrasing and it's you know there's lots of pillows around and it's very cozy and you just don't want to make a lot of noise is that why you went to the keys no not at all um (laughs) my apartment situation was chaotic actually at the time and they were selling the house from under us and somehow i got trapped into like acting as realtor and was like showing it to the you know, buyers and stuff. Let's not go down this road, Vish. <laughs> but I no, will no, I, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. I, did, I you're the one. Who I opened it, up the I can- took it there. Yeah. There was I a hear more about. Yeah, I want to hear more about Jeremy's realtor. Uh, career. <laughs> you can yeah. read. You can read about it in Business Wire magazine. I heard. <laughs> I like how we're calling this a magazine. Um, no, I was just refuting your. Your idea about all these pillows there weren't that many pillows. Sorry, I um, this is all from Brian. I was paraphrasing Brian's description of your dwelling. No, I'm sorry. I just it, it is not unusual for a musician in a rock band to say I had to make the demos in a really late at night while my kids were sleeping. So that's why they sounded like that. You know what I'm getting at there? Like it's I do, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I could make as much noise as I wanted. I was living in this really big house, like. Um, this apartment in this really big house and all the other units were empty because like I said, they were selling the house. So I just had like, um, you know, free reign over this Victorian, you know, four story house. Hmm. And, uh, we were making, uh, my girlfriend and I were making a lot of noise playing keyboard and guitar and everything else at the time. Um, 
I think the keyboard was just uh, fun to switch things up, and, and it was there. Hmm. Um, I think I was also listening to a lot of The Weeknd at the time. Oh. <laughs> just because, like, every store you go into, he's on. Yeah. And, uh, Very popular. Every radio. Yeah. And um, I got into that last Weekend record, and I was kind of playing keyboards, maybe trying to sound a little bit like that. Right. On my demos. Not so much on the album, but... I see. This This mansion you describe... I feel like the first time we met, we met at some sort of mansion. But but wasn't it Mike's place that he was renting, or was that your place? Do you remember the? No, that was my, that was Mike's house. I don't live in. I live in a one bedroom apartment. But I just mean that there's a bunch of other apartments in the house. No, no, no. I, I gather that. Oh, that that whole house was Mike's house when I first met you guys. Is that right? Mm, in Ron's? No, no, no. Okay. No, sorry. he was just renting. That, that anyway, sorry. I just wanted to clarify that because that was a nice house. I still remember walking in there. And you guys were listening to Elvis Costello, and I—that's what I most right, mostly yeah. remember. And then I think uh, Brian remembers that I was uh, hankering for pizza. Is that what was going on? That, that's right. You kept talking about you're going to Fresca, though. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't wait. Did you? You were hustling to get through the interview so you could get your pizza. <laughs> I was hungry, and I needed the pizza. Yeah, that's right. Have you ever? Have you tried uh, the Fresca? Fresco? Fresca? I think it's Fresca. Not fresco. Fresco. I've had fresco. Yeah, yes, it's good. It's good. Yeah. yeah. How is Toronto? You know, we didn't even talk about uh, uh, time and space stuff because I, uh, I I moved us along quickly. But uh, you guys, you're in Toronto. Since we've last spoken, uh, things have opened up, and that's pretty much it. Nothing's really shut down except for various people's bodies because uh, more people are getting the the sickness. But uh, Brian, what's the state of Toronto from your perspective? Uh, how's how's it going there? Oh, it's going uh, full throttle. It's, it's uh, wide it, open. Everything's just happening. Oh, yeah. Every, you know, Jay's games are packed. The street bars are packed and little concerts are going. And it's nice to see, you know, I just uh, it's obviously it's what you want. But I hope not at the at, at too much of an expense. But yeah. to be honest, I feel I feel like Toronto's never I've lived here for. Wow. Like 18 years, maybe more. And I've never seen it this busy. It's busier than yeah, because people are all pent up. They want to go do stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah, big time. Jeremy, have you you guys played some shows? Uh, not a, not even a small smattering of shows. You did a significant number of dates somewhat recently, right? That's right. Yeah, we went down to the U.S. to do a handful of Northeast states and some Midwest dates, and yeah. It's probably the the longest string of dates we've done as a band. We don't tour very often, right? You mean since your inception or since the pandemic? Since the inception. Really? Well, yeah, you all have day jobs and other things to do, right? That's probably why? Yeah. yeah, we operate under the parameters of vacation days. Right. I understand that. Now, uh, so how experientially, Jeremy, how was that to play shows again? Uh, you sound like you're enthused. It was the most you've done, but... Uh, Experientially, what was that like after all the lockdown and whatnot? It's good shows and bad shows. And the bad shows, you know, weren't even that bad. There's always um, some really nice people that come out. But you sort of get the feeling that, you know, rock concerts are not really the thing to be doing right now. Um, Everyone is doing it with some measure of tentativeness, but also, you're right, like moral questioning is in the air. Is that what you're getting at? That's part of it, but I also am commenting on maybe it's not something that a lot of um, people in their 20s are doing right now, oh, um, right. going to see rock bands. Maybe. They're going to, th- going to see The weekend. Uh, man, he had to cancel his concert here because of Rogers. 
Oh, the oh, that were you supposed to go to his show before the blackout? Uh, no, but I still I still feel for all of his fans. <laughs> yeah, that was that was rough. For those who don't recall, here in Canada, there was a major telecommunications uh, power outage, and uh, all sorts of stuff was canceled. And uh, among the casualties was the weekend. There, uh, they couldn't play a show that was. Was it at the big? Was it at the Rogers, the Sky Dome? No, it was at the um, arena, Scotiabank, uh, Scotiabank, I think. One or the other. It's the Air Canada yeah. Center in the Sky Dome. This is who I am. I'm never going to not you're, call. You're dating yourself here. <laughs> no, I am dating myself. I'm very lonely. Uh, no, just kidding. Uh, what I was going to say there uh, about uh, all those things is, uh, Brian, you mentioned it's full throttle. Uh, do you go to shows? Uh, not really. I mean, we've been busy. Like I, you know, we just got back three days ago, two days ago. So, uh, yeah. I mean, I've been to a handful of shows, but not not a lot. Um, Jeremy went to he went to see Apollo Ghosts recently. That was oh. apparently really good. Nice. Yeah. I love those guys. Uh, that, yeah, that, they're that, great. That's a great band. Okay, cool. So, this is what I'm getting at because I know uh, I've talked to some musicians who are begrudgingly back at it. Uh, some who are stoked. I like, couldn't be more psyched to be back and doing it. But there's also this, like, like, like I think Jeremy's describing this low level, like, are we supposed to be doing this? And so I've just thought of this because I used, I am a show going guy and I haven't been, and I get invited as people are coming through now and they say, can you come? Hey, it's spoon. Want to come see us? And I go, Oh, thanks spoon. Uh, not gonna. And then I, I say, Oh, well, maybe I'll show up. And then I don't. And I don't know about you guys. Like Jeremy, are you normally an active show-going person? And if so, have you made an effort? Like it sounds like you went to one show, but are you, are you going to fewer things as a fan? I think yeah. I think it's uh, you know you see this all over the place um, across many different industries or whatever you want to call it, yeah. where everyone was shut down and now it's harder to bring people back. Is it because um, they don't miss it or because, yeah, that's an interesting point because in my, from my perspective, it's because I'm paying attention to the news, but I think other people have not paying attention to the news. They've just gotten used to not doing certain things. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah. 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 You know, you send everyone to work from home and then all of a sudden, you know, offices are closing and stuff because everyone's just like, yeah, this works. And I think the same thing was kind of happening with nightlife and concerts and, and, you know, restaurants or whatever, movies. Hmm. People are just kind of like, they discovered they were happy to just to hang out at home. If I don't have to leave my house, why would I? I think that's a pervasive sentiment right now, which is yeah. probably not good on some level. Brian, how, given your vocational pursuits, like if that's in the air, first of all, do you acknowledge that what uh, Jeremy and I are, are saying is absolutely true? Yeah, I think there's some truth to it for sure. There's definitely, you know, hesitance like yourself as a, as a great example. You would normally be going to shows uh, all the time, but yeah. aren't because of, uh, you know, the, the ongoing pandemic. So, yeah, there's definitely truth to that. There's, It's, it's obvious that we're no, nowhere near back to normal. Like, There's actually, you know, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, and I may, this might be hyperbolic. I think there's three active plagues right now. <laughs> Sorry, oh, there's, there's the the thing, and then there there's the pandemic that we've been going through. Then there's the monkeypox, and then polio. I was like, come on, this has got to be a joke. Polio has resur- is resurgent. I'm like, what is happening? The Earth 
is kicking us off. I don't even understand what's happening. Exactly. So it is hard. It is hard. uh, But uh, you're you, Brian. You seem like you're in an okay space and trying to get back to normal. Is that fair? Yeah, sure. That's fair. I mean, I'm just happy to be like you know. Even when we started making cooler returns, our, our second record, like over a year ago, just the the act of getting into a rehearsal room with the guys and making noise and working on songs was like enough for me to, you know, feel better about everything. And yeah, and you know, we obviously keep a, a little a bit of a tight circle within us, and and it's we have a lot of fun, we have a lot of laughs, you know. But yeah, we're definitely nowhere near back to normal. Uh, yeah whatever you want to call that. Yeah. I was trying to figure out, uh, uh, Jeremy, as you, Brian, as you know, if Jeremy were here, I'd tell it to his face. Great writer, great lyricist, also uh, has a very unique knack uh, for phrasing. So it's not only the words that I get hooked on, it's uh, the way he puts them together. Don't tell Jeremy I said this. It's it's embarrassing. Uh, but uh, I wondered if any uh, of uh, what we've sort of been alluding to has pervaded uh, your writing, Jeremy. Now I'm going to acknowledge that you are, in fact, here. Uh, that's the shift. Plot twist, Jeremy has been here the whole time. There's a song on the record called The Mass Singer. This caught my young daughter's uh, ear today because she loves that show. I hate that show. I hate it. It's a rea- For those who don't know, it's a reality show. But I said to her, I said, uh, well, maybe he's talking about being a singer in, during a pandemic because you might have to wear a mask on stage and she's like I don't think so also by the way she said I don't like that he's saying this and I said what do you mean she's like well that's a TV show he shouldn't be saying mass singer make of that what you will I don't know anyway Jeremy uh, can you uh, weed through my reasoning here or my question to tell me if you felt like you were making a little double entendre if you will about the pandemic or were you actually I think it is more about reality TV generally but have you seen that show that I'm talking about? First of all, the Mass Singer. Yeah, of course. No, well, you don't have to. I say, wrote of a song. I wrote a song about it. Okay, so it's <laughs> definitely about the the television show, the Mass Singer. Jeremy, explain to the people listening what is the Mass Singer, though, because I haven't done a good job of that right now. Mm, well, okay. Well, let me back up for a minute. I just kept seeing these posters all around town for oh. like what would be like. Um, you know, somebody in a big mascots outfit, and it would say the mask singer on NBC or Global or whatever it is. And I thought it was such a great title for a show. I was hooked. Oh, it sounds it sounds so romantic, doesn't it? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, and sure. uh, and so with this record, I also wrote. I came up with like the titles of songs before I wrote the songs for the most part, and I was like, oh yeah, I gotta have a song called the Masked Singer. You went title, I, title first. Is that, that's got to be unusual. <laughs> yeah, but that was a challenge I kind of set out for myself. We did um, Mike Watts' radio show when we were promoting our last record. I'm supposed to be on that show. He told, oh, me, I, he told me I could be on that show, and then he went on like a, the craziest, longest tour ever, and now I'm going to write Mike an email. Anyway, sorry, what was going on there? Watt from Pedro. Yeah, it was, it was really fun <laughs> to talk to him, by the way. But one of the things he was he was asking me about was like, you ever write the title first before you write the song? And I was like, mm, not really. And he was like, that's the only way I can write songs. Otherwise, how do you know what you're talking about? And I was kind of like, huh, that's interesting. And I just like that that stayed in the back of my mind for like a year. And then when I started to write this record, um, if I had an idea for a song, I would kind of just, uh, you know, try to shape it into a title. 
and then you know huh. the next day or whenever I sat down to actually work on the song itself, I had kind of a goal or like a, a checkpoint to get to. That's a very fascinating parameter to give yourself as a writer. That's really interesting. I, I mean, I I could see a novelist doing this or you know an author to be like it's called a shitty cabin in the forest. <laughs> Okay, now I got my juices are flowing now. That's really fascinating. So it paid off, would you say? I mean, I enjoyed doing it. I also think this record has more interesting titles than the last record. You have a, a song that I really uh, particularly love called Clerical Sleep. And oh. I thought this made me think of my time working at my dad's office in the summers where I would literally fall asleep. I would be, I'd go up to like some weird store. They, they, there was nothing for me to really do, but he managed to like, just do something. They'll pay you. Shh. You know, there wasn't like a whole lot of productive work. So I'd fall asleep in these dusty binders, or I had a system where I would work for two minutes and close my eyes for three. Uh, I would, I would time myself to take little naps. Anyway, clerical sleep made me think of that. I Googled the term does not exist. I was like, this must be a thing that's clerical sleep. Did you make this up? Yeah. You're an office worker? <laughs> well, I don't know where that came from. I just had this idea of clerical sleep, and once that phrase or once those two words combined kind of took hold, I wrote that song very, very quickly. Okay. And um it's funny you saying you, you you were saying you googled it because I also googled it <laughs> like recently. I was thinking like, wait, did I take this from something? And I was I was glad that you know there wasn't like a Drake song called Clerical Sleep or something that I just jotted down in my phone at two a.m. I guess it could potentially also have some sort of like religious connotation. I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah, it's both. Like for me, it's just about real rest. You know, mm. like big bold lettered rest. Mm. Um, spiritual, physical, mental. And yeah, there's a lot going on in that song in particular, but I feel like it's all kind of grounded in this idea of um, if I was working nine to five, if I went to church regularly, if I exercised more, if I did this, you know, then I would really be at peace right. and could get some rest at night some, and things like that. Yeah, clerical sleep. It's, it's, it's fascinating to ponder for myself. Brian, uh, you are very familiar with Jeremy and his writing. Has anything about this batch of songs uh, astounded you, mystified you, made you think, what the hell is going on over there? Uh, or we Disappointed you. Disappointed you? you? <laughs> were, were you like, I must intervene, this is bad? Anything like that? <laughs> There's definitely some... I remember just like listening to demos and trying to figure out parts, come up with parts or whatever. There's definitely some like verses and lines that I found... Uh, pretty interesting that I, you know, didn't quite understand. Actually, the 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 last verse in Clerical Sleep being one of them about the man with the prosthetic leg. I remember thinking, like, what is this guy talking about? But then when I asked him in the studio, what is this verse all about? He explained it to me, and it was actually quite hilarious and uh, made me like it even more. It's so, a bit of a non that yeah, that whole. If I may interject for just a moment, but that that whole section seems to me to be a non sequitur. What did you read it as? Like it doesn't seem to have much to do uh, with anything else that I. It just happens, and then the song's done, and you're like, "What the hell that was that?" Both. I love that we're just both talking about Jeremy's lyrics, and he's sitting like a foot. As away I from said me. earlier, for those listening, if Jeremy were here, 
We would take this right to him, but he's not, and that's just the way things have to be today. Anyway, sorry, what were you going to say there, Brian? Yeah, I don't know. I just thought, I just found it really, I didn't necessarily think like that verse or whatever was a non sequitur. I just found it sort of uh, interesting, you know, in a, in a slightly confusing maybe way, but in, in, in also a good way. But like I said, anytime I have those, had those kind of moments of like, what does this mean? What is he talking about? I would ask him about it in the studio and he would explain it to me and, and it would make me just like it even more. Like, like once I heard the story behind it or the meaning behind it, I would just, it, I, I would like it more than I did. I know a man with the most advanced robot prosthetic in the history of the world built in a lab. It costs $2 million, but he hates it, can't stand it, never wears it, just sits there. Now, I'm not saying that the rest of the song has a coherent narrative per se, but it is a, a final blast of a, a, a song, of a, a lyrical expression. Jeremy's singing in a heightened way. To me, it seems separate from the rest of the song. Jeremy, please answer this question. Where did this come from for us? Like, for, we, We're both confused idiots, Brian and I. It's safe to say. I don't want to mischaracterize Brian, but we're both idiots. Where did this yep. come from? Why are you yelling at the end of the song? about uh, this thing that's clearly based on the plot line of the film, The Fugitive. What's happening? All right, let me uh, rapid fire give you some fast facts about this line. <laughs> One, that's the only line that Dan Beckner sings on the record. You can hear his baritone underneath singing it an octave below, or saying it an octave below in kind of a Vincent Price yes. narration. I assume that was Brian, actually, but I, then I looked at the credits, and yes, you're, you, just so you're yeah. clear, we're all clear, Jeremy's correct. <laughs> Sorry about that. Go ahead. Two. Uh, that line originally said, built in a lab, it costs $1 million. And while I was doing vocals, Dan from the control booth held up a piece of paper that just had $2 million <laughs> written on it and just <laughs> stuck it up to the glass. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's better. Now what? And then we had, I, was like, I was like, rewind me back. And then I was like, $2 million? <laughs> it's just better than $1 million. Why? It's like somehow, it's somehow uh, like... It's somehow less. Like, we were talking about this after he did the vocal take, where, like, $1 million is its own sort of thing. Like, it's it's just like, yeah, it's $1 million. It's a lot. It's just, like, this crazy amount of money. Whereas, like, somehow $2 million is more specific and, like... It's less valuable. It sounds less. You know what I mean? Well, I will also say that to say, oh, that must have cost a million dollars, it's almost like a, Ex- a colloquialism. Yeah. $2 million exactly sounds that. like, oh... It legitimately cost $2 million. Like that, this part of the story is true. Yeah, I get it. So that's an example of Dan coming up with good ideas in the studio, by the way. The other thing about Dan Dan that I'll say, I said he was opinionated, very funny. He's a funny guy. Very, very funny, very very smart guy. It was really great to hang out with him the whole time. Yeah, Yeah, we had, we were mixing and he was like, I think we were mixing on Halloween, and he was like full vampire costume. He's just cracking us up the whole time. Yeah, he's he's very amusing. Sorry, uh, 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 Jeremy, you were going to say something else about. Let's get back to my lightning round. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, point. go ahead. Oh, what did I say? Okay, Dan sings on it. Two million, two million dollars. Uh, Changed it to two million. He took it out of the bare, um, bare, oh. took it out of the bare naked ladies zone for you there. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Ex- exactly. I was going to say that also. <laughs> um, the the genesis of this line is um, was like a clickbait ad I saw on the internet, you know, where you're like scrolling the internet and then it's like, you won't believe what Kelsey Grammer's stepson looks like now or something. 
And uh, I saw just this ad, and it was like, it was like, this man has the most expensive robotic arm ever. Dot dot dot. But he hates it. And I was like, oh well, I gotta write about this. Um, and then I wrote that line, and I showed my girlfriend the song, and um, turns out her uncle, who, who I know is a one arm, has one arm. And uh, he also has a very expensive prosthetic, and uh, he never wears it, and he doesn't like yeah. it. And he, he, you know, he's accomplished so much without it. And um, I had to say, no, no, it's not about him. I saw this stupid thing on the internet, and it just stayed with me for a long time. Um, but once, I, once she said that, I was kind of like, all right, this is, this is going to work in the song. The next fact I was going to say is um, John K. Sampson told me to cut this line. And then in the studio, I was like, ah, I think it's too good. I got to keep it. How did it come to pass that John K. Sampson would even be exposed to this line and be able to offer you advice on it? Well, I reached out to him. Um, I'm such a fan of his, and I was listening to a lot of his records um, over the last year or so. And um, this was a weird record to write because I was starting from scratch. This wasn't built upon demos or old ideas that had been gestating or that were left over from the last album. This was like, okay, clean slate, write 10 songs about whatever you want. And uh, I didn't show any of the guys in the band the lyrics, really, uh, you know, as they were written. They heard the demos, but they never got lyric sheets or anything until we were in the studio. And um, that's just because I was nervous. And um, I wanted to reach out to someone who I respected to take a look at them and, and give me some advice. And so I, 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 John was someone who I wanted to talk to about that. And he was very helpful um, with a number of things. But I didn't take his advice on this one. And now I'm being grilled online on the Vishkana Comedy Podcast Hour about it. Yeah, that's the way it works, though. I, I think it's t- it stuck out for me and it stuck out for Brian. Uh, so that's where we're at. I wonder if uh, so. We've talked about. But can't you just imagine like a stadium full of people singing that line? Um, yeah, singing along at at a Kiwi Junior concert, like forty thousand people at Wembley. <laughs> yeah, I could see like arms raised, fist pumping. Yeah, sure. Or I mean, sorry, prosthetic arm, fist pumping. Yeah, I think uh, you've you've found an audience for sure. Yeah, I think there's something to that. I wonder, uh, given all the uh, insights you sought or were given uh, by the likes of Dan Beckner or John K. Sampson. Did anyone inform uh, some of your approach to singing on this particular record? Because I've I've noticed a few, um, I don't want to call them departures, but like a song like The Extra Seas of the Film, that's like some of your finest singing, and it's some of your most heartfelt singing, if I may. Uh, you tend to be uh, someone who uh, I think uh, will like, maybe like John Sampson a little bit, will speak sing a little bit, just a little bit. Like you're singing, don't get me wrong. I don't need to explain this to you. I think you know where I'm coming from. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Extra, um, but the extra sees the film. Would you agree? Uh, an anomaly maybe in your catalog thus far? Yeah. We did a bunch of different vocal takes for that song. Um, and in the end, what I ended up trying to go for, or not necessarily what I was trying to go for, but you know, you come up with shorthand in the studio where you might say like, all right, let's do that... Um, you know that Rolling Stones drum fill one more time, or something. You know, just short, like that. just shorthand. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And what we called um, the vocal tone and take, or the vocal tone and, and style, I guess, of uh, of this song, the Exorcist of Film, was the Thurston Moore vocals. Yes, because we were listening to um, Superstar. Oh, the Carpenters the, cover. The Carpenters yeah. cover. Yeah, he has that effect a lot. On I can see it peeking out behind me. 
my copy of Psychic Hearts, uh, his solo album. Oh, you got a huge Sonic Youth poster in the background. Oh, yeah, I do have that, yeah. I just saw that now. Yeah, a couple of people have commented on it recently for some reason. It's drawing a lot of attention. Lee Ronaldo actually wanted me to send him that, uh, (laughs) but I'd already mounted it, and I don't want to... It'll, anyway, yeah, uh, I like Sonic Youth. You like Thurston Moore, or was it just something that was floating in the air uh, around the time of this vocal? I love Sonic Youth and um, and Thurston solo stuff too. Huh. Yeah, but for some reason, when we were doing this, it was kind of like I think I, I did a take, and and then it was like I need to sing quieter. Mm. I think I need to kind of get whispery, and then we were let's cue up Sonic Youth Superstar cover, hmm. and um, I did a take like that. Well, it's, it's lovely. I just want to say, and it's, a, again, one of my favorite uh, batch of lyrics, uh, some sort of, I think, fantastical Los Angeles landscape, right? Yeah, yeah. Is it, uh, is it actually, there's some very, there's a lot of pop culture as usual, I think, in Kiwi Jr., uh, if for those listening closely, and you'll recognize Toronto things like Joe Schuster Way and Superman, for those of you uh who was it the other day who couldn't remember his name? I think, again, it was my daughter. She's like, what's the guy's name? He's very good <laughs> at everything. I'm like, Superman? Yeah, yeah, Superman. That anyway, guy. sorry. Yeah, that guy. So anyway, always uh, pop culture stuff. But that the set of lyrics really takes me into uh, some sort of Los Angeles <laughs> setting. Um, is that based on anything real, this uh, this yeah. na- this narrative? Totally, yeah. That's a song that I was really proud of, even just getting the demo down. Um, I don't want to go through it line by line with you, but... Um, Why? Because you don't like me? Because I'm offensive to you? Does my presence annoy you? Is it uh, the end of our time together? What's... Why? <laughs> we can do this off air if you like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. We do... That's an intervention for me, too, listeners. Uh, people don't I'm know I'm just this, kidding. But, no, um, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. I, I don't want you to over-explain things either. I'm no, just, just like the, the, you know, the first verse is talking about this guy telling the story about how he was at Kobe Bryant's last NBA game. And then in the end, he just says he was at a bar watching yeah. on TV. Yeah. And I was in L.A. and I watched Kobe Bryant's <laughs> last game on TV at a bar in L.A. And I remember telling people that story as if it was like really cool and then just realizing... God, this is the most boring anecdote of all time, and it's this really humbling moment. And I put it in a song, and the f- so that's the first verse. Were you the guy aiming the jar of gin? No, I was the guy looking to overtake the guy aiming the jar of gin. Nice. I don't want to. Uh, first of all, was it a home game, Kobe's last game, or was were they away? Yeah, they played the Grizzlies, and At- Flea played the national anthem. On oh, his I've, I've unfortunately I've actually seen that. Uh, yeah, that's pretty sweet. <laughs> sorry, uh, it was crazy though. He got like sixty points or something. I mean, they just kept passing it to Flea? him. Flea? Oh no, Kobe. Yeah. Sorry. Never yeah, mind. no, Flea got sixty points. 60, they they biggest, subbed him in. There's a soft opening. She'll be there if you want to stop by. Flirting with the human scorpion jacket from Drive. He's a haircut aiming a jar of gin, and he talks about Los Angeles. That's a cue for you to jump in. That's great. I just want to tell you, I don't want to, uh, everyone's got to, the next verse is about the Kobe Bryant stuff, which is amusing. Of course, it has a, a sadder aspect to it now that uh, uh, Kobe has passed uh, away tragically, but I will say, very clever. I just, I, I like everything about it, and I just want to commend you as I often, have I done this before, Jeremy? Have you felt the love from Bish to this extent? Well, last podcast, you were roasting us, I think. Yeah, you, yeah, you, you were, were being on, a bully. Yeah. Was I? I don't remember. It. Was I? I, don't <laughs> I haven't gone back and listened to it, but uh-huh. I remember you giving Bro and a hard time. Well, well Bro and I thought deserved yeah, it. Me too. 
Did I give you a hard time, Brian? Yeah, you're going on about how I'm some kind of born entertainer or some shit. Oh, that's right. That was in the clip. You said it. You said it. <laughs> I 100% did not say that. I'm sorry. I didn't realize this caused uh, uh, any kind of, uh, you know, uh, whatever you want to call it. Uh, uh, it's all water, water under well, the bridge. Well, you're back. Clearly, it wasn't that bad. I don't know. I was clearly, tr- yeah. Tr- clearly, I'm There I'm, is something. I'm, ever I'm since I met you guys, I am the loosest with you of almost any guest, and it's bad. It doesn't end up being the best Show maybe does it? I like it, but I love you guys. What are you trying? <laughs> You're saying that every time you interview us, it's not the best. No, I show. think it is. I really enjoyed the last one, <laughs> and when I found out that Broen, in particular, no offense to Mike, when I found out Broen couldn't be here, I was like, oh, I got no sparring partner. I'm just a guy with boxing gloves on. I got nobody. Nobody's gonna fight back. Yeah, you got two. You got two punching bags. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Brian, uh, do you do a lot of singing on this record? Uh, we mentioned Dan does a bunch. Uh, did you do a lot? No, I don't think I, maybe one song, uh, Downtown Area. Yeah, you sing back up. Oh, downtown man, area Downtown blues. Area is, That's Downtown it. Area Blues, right. Sorry, I forget the blues part. But we left, we, we left all that to Dorothea Poss, because she, I mean, in my opinion, she kind of brought that lo- uh, record to another level on the um, selected songs she does sing on. I'm glad you brought um, that up. It was on my mind. We got lost in L.A. there for a few moments, and I apologize. Dorothea is wonderful. Um, and yeah. uh, love her record uh, that I heard most recently. I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head, and someone please correct me. Anything can't happen. That's the one. Had it playing on the turntable yeah. for quite a while. Never took it off. Liked it a lot. Uh, how did you come to befriend Dorothea, Brian? And uh, how did it come to be that... Uh, she plays a very prominent role on this record, I would say. Uh, can you talk about those things? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I didn't know her. That was Jeremy that kind of brought her into the studio. I was just there. And it was me and Jeremy and the engineer, and she came in and started singing on. I think the first tune she did was "Clerical Sleep," and I just right away, you know, you just kind of like, oh, that's it. That's that's you know the game changer. That that's going to li- elevate the song and. And it was it was fun to watch. Really, it was just like really fun to watch. And you're saying it was Jeremy's call. It feels like a few of these things were Jeremy's call. Maybe uh, that we're. I, I just mean about. he he. Knew, I didn't know her. None of us. No, really no, knew no, her. no, no. I appreciate that part of it, but but by asking her, uh, was it Jeremy's initiative to just bring these? This is another new dynamic to the band. I would. Yeah, say. I think we wanted a female vocal on these songs. And we talked about it in rehearsals and stuff, but it was Jeremy that kind of hooked it up and made it happen. What do you do live? What happens? What, what, how well, she, you... play, she joined us here at the Horseshoe uh, when we played recently, and it was awesome. Uh, we've just been getting by without her on the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be cool to have that, but unfortunately we're not really you know, in a financial place to have a fifth member or, you know, on the road. Fair enough. But anytime we anytime we play locally, um, it'd be sweet to have to have her get on stage. Jeremy, can you expand upon this um, idea and also Dorothea uh, being the person you actually brought into the mix? Well, she's great, and I met her just through some mutual friends, and then heard her sing, and um, I'd seen her play before, and she's also such a great hang, you know. She's I extremely that, funny. Yeah, very smart, very funny. Yeah. When we got into the studio, I had to tell her to sing worse because she was like harmonizing with me and it was she was kicking my ass and I had to be like pretend that you're 
you know, at a kitchen party in Cape Breton and you've just drank like six schooner and you're singing along to some song, uh, you know, uh, and she was laughing at that. She's not used to that. Um, well, yeah, uh, I can see that actually, but she, I mean, she's not a stranger to the scrappy, is she? I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, not in, I think she takes, anyway, I'm, she's not here to speak for to, to this, so I don't want to speculate. Uh, Brian, do you feel like you, uh, as a guitarist and in your contributions to the band had to alter your mindset in any way, given all these new dynamics that are brought in? I'm thinking of songs like, uh, the sound of music. Uh, I believe it is the, the, the backbone is a, a really cool guitar part. But then, and now that I'm talking to you, I feel like I'm misspeaking and it might be a synth part. The driving instrument in that song near the beginning, is that you, Brian? Is that a guitar? Uh, I think it's a keyboard. The banana band. I'm not going to keyboard. Oh, I played that on guitar too. It's, du- it's, it's all layered. Yeah. yeah. What we did basically is just like recorded way too much stuff and then just gave it to Dan and we're like, here, can you make a cool record out of this? And he decided what to keep and what to take or what to get rid of. I mean, back to my question, Brian. Did any of this new stuff and new approaches impact you and your role in this band and, and the things you thought you could bring to it? No, I don't think so. Uh, I inherently ended up tracking more keyboards than guitar on this record than versus Cooler Returns, hmm. which was really fun. I had a lot of good. I had a, a lot of fun uh, tracking Farfisa all over the record at Union because that it's a beautiful Farfisa they have, hmm. and I had a lot of fun just like like I was saying earlier, where I would track like a, a just a guide keyboard part to help the guys get their drum and bass parts. And while I was doing that, Dan was manipulating it. So when we, we would go back and listen to it, I would hear cool little tails and little blips and bloops. And, and just I had a lot of fun, you know, listening back to that and seeing what Dan was doing in real time to our live performances. Well, I mean, it sounds great. And I will say that I think it's your best record, if I may. It's it's do you. Oh, wow. Are you feeling that? Are you feeling that way? I think it's. Uh, our most cohesive record. Brian, and, I can um, see in Brian's eyes he's not buying my what I'm selling. You don't think that? No, I think. <laughs> I, I mean, it's hard to. It's like the new. It's the new kid on the block, right? Yeah. Obviously, you're going to like it more than the two albums that you've been. You know, that's been sitting around gathering dust in gathering a storage <laughs> locker. <laughs> yeah, we don't really care about them as much. So it's the new whatever, the new shiny toy. So I, inherently, you're going to like it more. But I, you know, I, I definitely am proud of it, and I'm, I can't wait for people to hear it. Well, I mean, on the one hand, just bringing all the new people in and trying new things, it is inherently going to probably seem objectively to others like a more ambitious album because you've done things outside of your comfort zone or outside of your actual band dynamic, right? So that's where I think people uh, are going to come to it as like if they read all the context, they're going to be like, oh, there's a lot going on on this record for a Kiwi Junior record and there's a lot more... Um, external forces involved I think when you finish with something like that you either are proud of your achievement or you're like you know what next time back to square one we go back to the way we used to do things so that's where I'm kind of coming from and I, I know it's probably too young in the process for you to have particular feelings on this but overall would you say this is an experience Brian that might inform the next Kiwi Junior record in some way 
Oof, that's, uh, that, I mean, it's hard to, to think about the next record when the, this one hasn't even come out yet. But ideally, in my mind, yeah, we would keep evolving as a band and, and try new things and, you know, have collaborators and guest musicians and vocalists and stuff. You know, I've definitely, you know, I, I, if we were to go back in the studio, let's say next month, I wouldn't want to start making a, another football money. Hmm. You know, our first, you know, of course, you want to evolve and keep changing and try new things. Yeah, no, fair enough. With, with anything, really with anything. And, and yeah. you know. No, I appreciate that. Jeremy, do you have thoughts on uh, my my line of questioning and uh, Brian's uh, refusal to try to predict the future? Yeah, I haven't written any new songs yet, um, but we're getting older. It's hard to play those up-tempo songs live from the first record. Um, that was, so, are you joking or is this the... Do I need to put a sad music bed under the rest of the podcast? <laughs> My ears can't handle the feedback. I'm, jo- I'm half joking. Um, yeah, I will say, like I alluded to uh, the extracies of the film, like I think we all agreed that's a different kind of approach for this band, a softer approach. And that's the kind of thing where that little... And I, I, there's other things on the record too that, that strike me as distinctive. But that little thing can actually shift you. And and I, I wonder if that's occurring to you already. Like, wow, that's a real departure for us. And it felt good. I'm really proud of it. Maybe this is something we can explore. Yeah, we just haven't had that conversation yet. But um, that's probably, you know, my favorite song off the new record. Wow. So if we did gonna kind of go into that direction, I wouldn't be disappointed. Hmm. But, you know, Downtown Area Blues is also one of my favorite songs on that record, and that's definitely the most upbeat kind of um, punk rock song. Potentially the funniest song. I can't... Every time (laughs) it comes on, I think of you... I assume... Please correct me if I'm wrong, Jeremy, but I assume this was something that you heard someone say or you guys joke about. It seems like an inside joke come to life as a song is all I'm getting at. Can you tell us just a little bit about downtown? Just someone saying, oh, I'm from the downtown area. Sounds funny. And ruby and like touristy or something. But where does it come from for you? (laughs) I don't know how that expression, downtown area, got into this song. But the song itself started just by the idea of being trapped in a storage locker overnight and having to wait it out. And then it was like, man, imagine if that storage locker was downtown. It would take you even longer to get home once you got out. <laughs> well, your delivery of we're a downtown area band. I think you say we got some downtown area fans. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> that's a Beckner line. Yeah, too. I was going to say. So when Jeremy was doing a vocal takes, it was originally just we've got downtown area fans. And I went over to Dan and suggested and then Dan to Jeremy to add the we've got some yeah, and it just for me adds like it makes it so much funnier. It's way it's like, incredibly funny. Instead of <laughs> instead of having fans, we've got some fans, which makes it seem way less. No, but you've got some way, way fewer. You've so. got some downtown area fans, like some. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, not there's a lot, some. Just there's some. some just about that. So Dan, all praise to Dan. That's a really funny and to you, Brian. That's very funny. And uh, all I, all this to say, it's a very entertaining record. It's uh, provocative. Uh, I hope, uh, despite the uh, previous appearance, you know I love you guys very much. And uh, I kid you, you're like my uh, kid brothers, I think. My white kid brothers, if I may. Um, 
there there's a line for a song right there now uh <laughs> not to give you any ideas if people want to learn more about uh, the kiwi jr uh band uh jeremy where would you like to send them on the in- just to the internet on the internet no sorry i know there's the internet that's what i was referring to google.com you could have said a record store. google chrome no, no please don't firefox don't pick the browsers my point is this can you give us specific places to go is it your website is it your labels it's what is it is it your instagram this is what i'm after specific information can you help us here jeremy yeah well we probably update the instagram uh, more frequently than we do the website. Um, but the website's probably a pretty good place, kiwijunior.com. Okay. Our, news, our newsletter's pretty good. Uh, send them out every few weeks whenever we've got any kind of news to share. I don't mean to put any pressure on you, but will there be any mention of this appearance potentially in your newsletter? 100%. Oh, that's sweet. I, that's very lovely. Do you guys write your own newsletter? Because I just did one the other day and it was it took a lot out of me i do one a month for the show because i was trying to do a weekly i'm like no one wants to hear this why am i why am i doing this so i go once a month no one's complained do you guys come up with all your content for your newsletter i think it's mostly just links to like oh. videos and stuff like tour this. announcements and you just stuff. said it was really good were you lying well it, it, it gives you all, <laughs> it, all the info you need to know <laughs> you want to hear about shows new singles new podcasts no opining uh, or jokes or fun things like it's just not yet huh. I'm Come. trying to put all that stuff in the songs yeah that's true you can't be can't be saving stuff for the newsletter you could do a thing if you had done it uh, your album as we're speaking is going to be out in just a couple of days or as people are hearing this I should say it's going to be out in a couple of days but uh, it would have been maybe fun or maybe not to talk about each and every song once a week until the record came out you could do that and then people would be like oh that sounds interesting it's like a behind the music for a Kiwi Junior what do you think about that Jeremy maybe next time yeah and we'll launch it on the Creative Control uh, <laughs> podcast network <laughs> that's right I don't know why you think this is a network it's just one show but that's fine it's uh, people speak uh, speak how they speak <laughs> what's uh, sort of coming up next uh, for Kiwi Junior as we're speaking you got a record coming out we've talked about that uh, Brian is there actually tour plans and, and other stuff coming up yeah uh, next thing is we're going to Europe in September for it's about we got like 10 or 11 shows and then, not quite sure. Have you done Europe before? We did the UK once, uh, January 2020. Uh, so right before things all kind of went uh, oh, awry. But and we had a blast. We were there, it was pretty short, probably a week run. We played five or six shows and we loved it. Uh, shows were great. Fan, like Just got along with everyone. And So, yeah, we're uh, excited to get back over. And, but this time we're going into mainland Europe as well as Oh, amazing. London. Congratulations. That's great. That'll be fun, I, I think. Uh, Jeremy, you are an observ- observational writer. I know this about you. If I were to hang out with you for too long, I'd be nervous that anything I said or did would end up in one of your dumb songs, uh, which are brilliant, by the way. They're brilliant dumb songs, if I might say. Uh, you haven't started writing anything. Is that what you really meant? Like, you haven't? Nothing? Well, um, I got this one idea in F sharp. <laughs> <laughs> no, I meant I didn't mean music. I just mean, are you? Do you walk around? Are you on the subway and someone says something and you type it onto your phone or whatever? Mm, yeah, yeah. So you got you got sometimes, yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe you got a little notepad full of. Uh, yeah, I got a lot of um, 
a lot of ideas in my phone. Right. A lot of Hillroy's. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> Cahiers. Yeah, I've got, look at it, i got some of these right here. I forget what they're called. Duotangs, binders. See, i got the, the little booklets and I write things down sometimes. Little field notes. Yeah, field notes. Do, uh, I just was going to say, when you're in Europe, keep your eyes and ears open. There's going to be some fodder there, I'll tell you. I, th- I just think. Yeah, I bet. I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. I sound like a, a travel agent. If we can go out on a song from this new record, I wonder if we can pick one. Uh, because there's two of you, I want to give the uh, choice to one of you and the veto power to the other. Um, so, Jeremy, if you can pick a song for us to go out on, which would you pick and why? I'll pick the song Clerical Sleep. I just really like uh, what Doro brings in this song with uh, her singing on it. And um, and we discussed that um, prosthetic limb lyric a bunch. So you can hear what the hell we were talking about. Throughout the record, there's a recurring, uh, almost robotic voice. Is that Dorothea? Oh, um, there's a v- yeah, I think you're probably... Yeah, she, she does... Um, Kind of like a uh, Siri voice. Is there that has to be another man. Like I, I can picture. Yeah, I can, yeah, In yeah, my yeah. head, I sorry, I don't have notes, of course, because I'm an idiot. Uh, I just remember uh, thinking uh, that this voice would occur. Yeah, like a Hal or a Siri kind of voice. That's correct. Yeah. I don't even know. If, I I don't know what Siri sounds like. I'm just assuming she has a voice. But but yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And uh, yeah, she that's Doro. Um, that's she did that on, on a few songs. Is there a reason it's on a few songs? Like is that is it a it's a narrative device of some kind? Well, you know what's interesting is she didn't know the songs. I was just like say this into the mic, and she would just say it. We would capture it and then place it. Like she didn't know what was what the song was or, or what it was about. Oh, okay, um, it was pretty organic. Uh, yeah, I just had the idea to try it a few different ways, and it made it into a couple of songs. Hey Siri. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell me more about the band Kiwi Junior? Okay, I found this on the web for Can You Tell Me More About the Band Kiwi Jr. Wait, wait, out. wait. Who's your Siri? <laughs> I, I'm good for now, Siri. Thanks. That sounds like he had a southern accent. Yeah, he sounded it? cool as hell. Yeah. It's American man Siri. You can change your Siri. So oh. you got to get got to get that guy on your album next. Is oh, what man. I'm getting at there. Just Sorry, cool. we have a thing I I sorry, we have an arrangement uh, where I have to find him work constantly on the show. So that's oh, yeah. why I I, I just this wanted is your to big show a- off Apple kickback, is it? <laughs> uh, no, it's not exactly the case. Okay, we're going out on uh, clerical sleep. Is that what we agreed to about five minutes ago? I think yeah. so. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, Brian, do you agree or do you veto? No veto. No veto vish. Okay. No veto. No veto vish. That's a whole other thing. All right. This is clerical sleep by the uh, wonderful Toronto downtown area band. Kiwi Jr., whom I adore very much. Please pick up their new record. Uh, And uh, gentlemen, Brian, Jeremy, thank you so much for making any time for the idiot that is me uh, and coming back on the show. We'll see you for album four. Best of luck in the future. Thanks, Vish. Thanks, Vish. Anytime.
This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Oh, very special thanks again to Jeremy and uh, Brian. And no thanks at all to Broen and Mike from Kiwi Jr., for appearing and respectively not appearing on this, the 708th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find an episode that you're looking for, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, please visit vishkana.com. Everything you need to know about me and those things is there. You can like Creative Control on Facebook or follow the show on Twitter at vishcreative. Or you can follow me directly on Twitter and on Instagram at Vishkana. Also, please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation uh, to sustain this podcast. That's the primary uh, form of income uh, that I get for doing this uh, work on top of some of the other work I do. $6 or more a month grants you access to exclusive content uh, that is only available to Patreon subscribers, including... A significant amount of overtime with Jeremy and Brian from Kiwi Jr. We talked about uh, their current obsessions, and it was quite interesting. And uh, that is the OT for this week. And if you if you do $6 or more a month at the Patreon, you can have access to that and everything that's uh, been posted up to this point uh, as exclusives for Patreon people. And some of it, again, derived from uh, episodes like the one you just heard. Some of it uh, is from my archive of uh, audio interviews that I've done over the years preceding this podcast. It's, I, I hope it feels like a, a decent amount of extra stuff. Either way, you're supporting this show. And again, $6 or more gets you the access to that. You can donate less than that a month, and you can donate much more than that a month. And whatever you donate, you can change at any point. Cancel it, reduce it, increase it. It's great. Now, also... I think it's great. That's a great option, right? How flexible could you... That's pretty flexible. If you want a Creative Control t-shirt, I don't have that many left in a way. I, I got to go through all the sizes. I know I'm out of the red medium now or maroon medium. But if you want one, message me on Patreon and I'll get you one while supplies last. Thanks again to the fine Alberta record store, uh, Blackbird Music, with locations in Calgary and Edmonton, Alberta, which you can learn more about at blackbird.ca. Also, thanks to Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario, for their in-kind support for this show. Thanks, as always, to my dear friend Jim Guthrie, whom you can learn more about, and his music. You can learn more about him and his music at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you so much for listening to this episode with Kiwi Jr. We've had some great times together on this show. Go back into the catalog and find those other episodes if you haven't heard them. 
please consider subscribing to the podcast or following it and telling your friends to do the same and spread the word about creative control. Thank you so much. I hope you're well, and I will talk to you soon. Bye for now. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.